0: Broadcasting from Ireland, featuring interviews with some of the biggest names in magic, welcome to the Deceit Reality Podcast, with your hosts, David Peace and Steve Spade. Hey! Hey.
1: Hope everyone's doing well. We've got a very special guest here uh, this evening, uh, our last one of 2020, so we're really looking forward to it. And before we start, we thought we'd give everybody a little clue with this. First class magician Marvin Bergloss is internationally recognized as a leading light in magic and has inspired literally millions of young magicians worldwide. Not only has Marvin
2: put magic back in the spotlight, he has also been very much in the spotlight himself.
1: His innovative performances have amazed and delighted audiences on both sides of the Atlantic sports personalities, politicians, and even pop stars can be counted as fans of Marvin's Magic. And here he is, Mr. Marvin Burglass. How are you doing today?
2: Hi, guys. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me as your guest. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Last podcast of 2020, and we can't think of a better way to go out, especially before Christmas, than the guy behind Marvin's Magic, I think. For me, anyway a Marvin's magic set was the first magic thing I ever got as a gift and I think it was for Christmas as well so it's a I think I'm not I'm not the only one here our, around the world so we like to thank you for all of us magicians for releasing those products we really appreciate it
2: oh that's very nice of you to say you know I always get such a kick you know when you start a business and you start an idea it's unbelievable that many years later we're now in our 33rd year to hear of how many, literally millions of people we've encouraged into magicians uh, and hobbyists. But what's even nicer is that there's literally several thousand and, who are now professionals and around the world, and you know, and including some of the elite magicians. So we really are very, very proud of that.
0: Definitely, there's a big difference um, between a lot of the magic sets and Marvin sets. Were always Marvin sets seemed to be tricks that the real magicians performed. It didn't seem like you know kind of cheap plastic kind of stuff that would be in any magic set it always had a kind of a, an exclusive kind of a feel to it
2: well you know that's probably because as you know i come from a famous magical family and uh, obviously I'm steeped in magic and grew up in magic so we know the different we're not just you know we i think there was a big gap in the market because there was a a toy company would h- historically might have a magic set as just one of their extra items but for us you know, we lived and breathed magic, so we've tried to be innovative and come up with different ideas and good presentations. And and you know, over the years there's been some fabulous different themes and you always it's quite a challenge to come up with new things, but that's that's one of the fun things of the
1: job. Definitely I could definitely see that. And as you said, you grew up in a magical family and it was always around uh was it something that you were definitely going to get into, or was there ever a phase where you thought, Maybe I'll do something else?
2: Well, actually you know, if, if I'm totally honest, I wasn't that interested in magic as a as a youngster. Uh, you tend to sort of rebel against what your parents do, and Dad was Dad. You know, he wasn't this uh, international man of mystery. You know, he might have been to the magicians and to the world out there, but for us, he was just Dad. And and uh, he was traveling a lot when we were younger. He was working all around the world, and and it was you know it was, it was it, being in show business is a tough uh, job for anyone, and and you know so he was always on the move and traveling around. And it was only when we got a bit later in life, you know, uh, when we, I think he, he actually came off the air in the UK, uh, to try and make our schooling, uh, and childhood, quite normal. Uh, but he was a big star. He was the first overseas personality of the year in Holland. I think it was where he had his own TV series called Opus Thirteen. And so I remember when we went to see this being recorded in Holland, and the you know the looks we were getting from literally the customs officers through to people in restaurants. It was very alien to us, and it was strange to see the recognition. Uh, but um, you know it. Uh, he actually there wasn't a great deal of magic at home. He kept home different you know and um but so but I grew into it, and you know as soon as you have that power as you know guys as being able to do magic, it opens so many doors, so literally from at school being able to do a couple of things that would impress your mates, and then as you're older to. A nice way to meet girls or to get in the front of a queue in a nightclub or something, you know, you could do some amazing things. And then, so I was always, you know, had it in, in the background. And, uh, it was actually when I went to, um, when I was at school in, uh, dad was doing a, a lecture tour, I think in Lyon in France, uh, and, uh, and someone let him down at the last minute. And I, I got a call, Would i like to go in. I was 16 years old. Uh, and it was instead of doing some school days, so I thought, yeah, I'd love to. So I went over there and helped him demonstrate these these trick cards and books that he was coming out with. And I got bitten by the bug when he came back from his lectures. He was surprised he had a huge crowds of people and I was demonstrating. And uh, you know that that power and it, you, you get and the buzz you get as a magician that was fantastic. And from that, I really it really started for me from there. You know, um, having said that, I did leave it for a little bit doing different things. I was always fairly entrepreneurial. Um, so I I went in different directions before I came back to the magic, but it was always there for me. I mean, the type of things I did beforehand were, um, I was always interested in sport, uh, and uh, collecting football programs, that type of thing. I organized a big, uh, collectors convention, uh, at Lord's Cricket Ground, as an 18-year-old, six weeks after leaving school, I hired Lord's Cricket Ground and sold space to dealers of sporting memorabilia, stamps, coins, postcards. Got Sotheby's and Phillips, the auctioneers, to do valuations, and I was on in 40, 40 publications. Most of the nationals got on TV. Uh, for the older listeners, they remember places people like Nationwide and Pebble Millet One, I did all those types of shows, got on there, and um, it was a success, you know, as a kid, and a thousand people turned up, and uh, I, I gathered momentum the next year, did a bigger one, then got sponsored by the Sunday Mirror to do a very big one called the National Collector's Exhibition, and that was my first uh, real lesson in don't count your chickens until they hatch, because I went on TV and all over saying, this is going to be great. Come to Kensington. It's going to be the best thing ever. And exactly on that day, I can tell you when it was 3rd of May, 1980. Um, I must have been four years old at the time. <laughs> now, I was, and, and, uh, and it was the day of the Iranian siege, uh, the bombings in the Iranian embassy. And so the police were saying, whatever you do, keep out of the West End of London. And so that was um, a major you know thing that kept some people away and it was th- it was difficult to cope with that but it taught me a lesson you know and yeah. um th- you know as you say with about adversity and how to handle things and and and, all, and such like so i did a, quite a few different un- entrepreneurial type of things uh, but yeah always recognized as been an entrepreneur and um you know the the magic idea came a little bit later after i was doing demonstrations in Hamleys and but they, as you say, most magic sets were just little plasticky things and they, they want to be the finest, the best of everything. And they got asked for my advice. I thought a light bulb moment came up and I came up with, well, hold on a second, guys, let me do this properly. And I, you know, and I, I launched it in six stores and then it's the rest is history. We're now in tens of thousands of stores all around the world.
0: It's an amazing story. Really, really amazing. Yeah, definitely. It really blew up and
1: it's like ubiquitous. I think even non-magicians know the name Marvin's Magic. And I think it's really interesting as well that you went with you know, Marvin, I think a lot of people who have like a famous parent in that genre, to actually not put burglass magic sets or something like that on it. Was yeah. that ever a decision you were thinking of or were you always going to go with the ma- the alliteration?
2: The alliteration is obviously good and Marvin does sound like a magical name. Uh, yeah. I was actually um, named after... Um, uh, my godfather is Marvin Roy, Mister Electric. So uh, that's the, that's a great thing. Um, yeah. So I just thought Marvin Marvin's magic sounds really good, you know. And and uh, I just yeah went for it that way. And I also didn't want to be in the shadow of my dad, you know. He yeah. he what he does is quite unique, and it's very hard to replicate that, you know. He's the original international man of mystery, and so I obviously i have total respect uh, and admiration for what he does um but i didn't want to be compared i wanted to make my own mark in life you know yeah
1: definitely i can definitely see that and then with the uh with the sets coming out and they've changed going, going over the years like there's a lot more technology in the sets now so uh, i still buy a few <laughs> if i see them in the shop i they're like
2: oh, I, I say next time ask me i'll charge you double right Dave. oh right. yeah <laughs> no problem <laughs> <laughs>
1: um
2: now, the uh, there is you, you mentioned that technology, but you know, that's that's something that's really fun to do because our sets work and are fantastic on their own, they're very much based on you know, magic is heritage and tradition, and some of the oldest tricks like cups and balls are still very uh salient, but there is a lot of newness, and so a lot of the props we have a, a Marvin's Magic app, which is a free app, which if you have our sets, actually uh enhances a lot of the tricks because we involve things like augmented reality where you can make things appear and disappear and uh, you know just it's just mind-blowing the technology and we're you know like that little trick which is called um i think it's called create crazy cube or esp where you put a little uh, dice inside a little looks like a camera roll holder and you can tell what the number is even though it's two two canisters we've got a a spoof explanation where you sort of Get your phone and you, and it, it's like it takes an x ray of it and it shows you the inside, like an x ray of whatever the number that they chose, which is just fantastic. It looks like a 200,000 pound x ray, which is just one of the little yeah. bonus tricks in our sets now. You know, it's crazy.
0: Nice,
1: yeah, definitely. Technology has become magic in and of itself. That like we don't know how any of this is working to get the stream to go live. <laughs> I click buttons, it works. Who knows? It's magic,
0: yeah. <laughs> For people who didn't see the um the, the live over the weekend, it's still on YouTube, Marvin, isn't it?
2: Yes. It, you're talking about Marvin's Magic Live. And, and if you look on Facebook or YouTube, and uh, we did a one-hour, 40-a-minute live show, which was really great. And um, there was a lot of uh, things that were given away in it. But we also did some fantastic behind-the-scenes interviews with some of the characters that are involved with us, uh, from how we come up with ideas to... Uh, how we train people, and obviously we had tons of guests as well, which was really nice. So we had, you know, not only the likes of Debbie McGee, which was really mm-hmm. lovely that's join us, but, and and my father David Burles, which was a really special interview. And people told me that was a highlight because I went back home and got to to spend some time with him, and he presented me with something. It's quite an emotional, actually, interview, and really had a good thing. And it also coincided with the launch of his. Uh, digital scrapbooks, which is his new website at davidbirdras.com. So we can talk about that a bit later if you want. But but for the for the rest of the interviews, I was there were so many types and different types of magicians from youngsters like the guys who've been on Britain's Got Talent. Um, you know there was there was uh, five finalists on Britain's Got Talent this year, uh, of which three of the were kids under 14. We we spoke to Jasper Cherry and his mum, who said you know he was a shy lad, but through magic he's really. Been able to do that big Saturday night thing with such confidence. And there was Dylan Piper who works with his dad, James, came on board. Um, and there was Aidan McCann, obviously, who who he wasn't on the show, but he, he was on BGT and did fantastically well. And they were alongside the likes of um Magical Bones and and uh and 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 of course, you know, he got our Rising Star Award as well. So um yeah, really, really was great. And we spoke to people past Marvin's magic demonstrators who are quite legendary in their own status Nick Einhorn, Mark Paul Pete Wardell uh, and then there's the new you know the new guys uh the likes of and, and, and Andy Nyman even did his Spengardi demonstration on that there amazing
1: yeah it was amazing yeah, was was
2: amazing. yeah. yeah I mean these, these are these are legends of magic when you think of some of the people that have come through our ranks it, it's, it's you know it's a great honor and it's part of the the history now you know we're talking about second generation I ironically, uh, Andy's Son, Preston Nyman, who's a a respected actor of his own right, he even started with us for a while. And so he was the first second generation uh, demonstrator we've had there, you know. But uh, yeah, amazing. And then the rising star winners that we've given, you know, the the Marvin Award, which is like the uh, for for people who, who are coming into magic in a big way and, and going to do something great. I give this award every year at the Magic Circle, which is uh, part of the Young Magicians Day. And And uh, we spoke to Izzy Simpson, who who had that, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Russ's granddaughter. And we've had, uh, we spoke to Ben Hart, who's very creative, of course. Uh, and and uh, the only winner of Britain's Got Talent as a magician was, of course, uh, Richard Jones. And, and you know, it was, it was just lovely to hear someone like him say, he actually, started with the Marvel's Magic set, like you just said, Dave.
1: You know. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing that, like, it really has impacted people because yeah. everybody talks about getting the Magic set when they grow up and had have one that is people like the Matt Paul, Andy and all of them who've come through the ranks as demonstrators and probably learned a few things as well as they went along through it out, out at all. It's really uh, it's a really testament to the sets that come up with. And something you touched on there was uh, with the Magic Circle, and you've obviously been around with. In the of magic circle for a long time and somebody uh messaged in actually when we said we had you on uh, asking how do you join the magic circle and uh, if you have any tips and advice because you, you can apply on the website but do you have any uh, yeah. tips and advice for people who yeah want
2: to well join? i mean you know what if you're not a member of the magic circle I, I would genuinely say it's a great thing to do because one of the criticisms perhaps in the past was maybe it was a bit stuffy or it maybe unless you lived in london were able to go but things have changed a great deal. And, uh, you know, we've got a very listening council. I was on council for seven years myself. I was vice president up to last, well, year before last. And uh, and I think there's it's, it's very welcoming. Obviously, it's shut at the moment, but it's very much open in terms of TMC TV, which is the Magic Circle TV, where they've had broadcasts on. And and, it, and I think actually, you know, out of bad comes good, because the communication for outsiders, out, people outside of London, uh, you know, in worldwide with the magic community is very good now. And so that that streaming service and of lectures, uh, the fact that you can go back and look at past lectures, in fact, you can go back and see digital copies of over 100 years of the magic circular and have access to the library. It's a beautiful theater if ever you come there. And I would thoroughly recommend it. And if you're a bit nervous about your first exams, you know, there's people that can help who who can mentor you and and take you through it. And, and it's a, it's, it's a fantastic thing. I mean, where else can you get, you know, it doesn't happen in sport or in music where you get elite professionals mixing with people who are just starting out or hobbyists, but you know, it's a very, it's a, it's a really nice community and uh, you know, it should, it's a positive thing. So yeah, I I would, the easiest thing to would be just to apply online. But if you know someone who's a member and, help put you forward um please do you know get in touch or i'll help as well I'll be happy to
1: okay that's great. great i definitely think it's because even i think magic clubs in general are very important and uh especially for young magicians coming up who might be learning through different mediums like youtube or uh different places that they've seen that uh to have a community of magicians where people can learn the real secrets uh as they grow up through magic i think is very important
2: I think so too. I think it's a very different experience because the thing is with social media, it's fantastic because you get the reach, but on the other hand, you know, you could pick up some bad habits. Someone, let's say, who is in their bedroom, who's, you know, just got a camera and was able to get out there and, and show some tricks might not be the best mentor to show you how things are done. And there is a there is a degree of heritage and, and and history that needs to be known and an order of things which you need to do and i think if you respect those things uh, your performances will improve and your knowledge will improve and your audience will enjoy it more and i think that's that's hugely important so obviously you know the books and learning is the best way of doing it but and it, but if you but even better if you're lucky enough to have a mentor to show you it's so much easier as well and obviously you've got so much more chance of that happening at a magic club uh and someone to inspire you
0: definitely i mean even we you know since we started the the podcast we're on episode 22 now marvin and like it, it's amazing that what you've just said is pretty much what a lot of the professionals have said right through you know through the, all the episodes that they're all saying the same kind of thing that you you know you need someone to either mentor you or someone to kind of Either you look up to or inspire to, to be that kind of magician because obviously there's so many, many different types of magician.
2: Yeah, there is so many different types. I'm just reading, um, and uh, most well, people who know me well will know I'm a, a big Arsenal fan, uh, of English Soccer Premier League here and not doing very well this season, but
1: yeah, was, really <laughs> <about
2: that>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but and so, um. I'm reading the autobiography of the outgoing manager, you know, Arsene Wenger, who was in the helm for 22 years, and he's a bit of a philosopher, and I know him quite well, and, and he made a good point, he was talking about academies in football, how, you know, somewhere like America, which is such a vast land, even though you might have some really bright talent sp- spread around, it's gonna be so much better if you've got a concentration of people who are good in the same place, take, for example, let's say in table tennis, where you've got, uh, you know, say the top eight or 10 people in the country, ironically, four of them were from the same street. Why? Because they were playing each other constantly, and they pushed each other that bit harder. Whereas, let's say someone in America to get to other places, you know, unless a lot of money and centers of excellence are are sorted out, um, you know, that it's, it's hard. So I suppose, putting that back to magic, the closest thing we can think of is, is magic clubs. And if you're lucky enough to have some seasoned pros, I mean, let's be honest, not everyone's going to be great at your magic club. You know, they're going to be varying different degrees. But, you know, hopefully people's now and, you know, they can see what they like, what inspires them, what helps them. And, and you 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 know, they're there to help each other.
0: There was a magician in Ireland called Tony Sedar. You, you may have heard of him, but he would have yeah. been on Irish TV uh, in, in the 70s and things like that. And uh, I, I always heard the name, you know, when I was in the clubs and, and things when I was younger, I heard this like legendary character, Tony Siddar. And it was years later, he had retired and everything. I actually got to meet him and we were good friends now. But he was doing stuff like, you know, they uh, like eating a bulb and he wasn't doing like trick tricks kind of thing. He was yeah. doing, you know, the the real kind of nitty gritty. And it was real. Um, even when I was talking to him about some of the stuff he had done in his career, it, it's definitely that kind of a mentor. It depends on obviously what kind of magician you are, but that style of mentor, it was like, he was like he was just listing off like uh, you know a street special for David Blaine, but he was doing it in the sixties. You know, it was just wow. it's ahead of his time. Yeah, it's Absolutely. amazing,
2: incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm always impressed uh, when you know when you especially in days gone by, how people were doing some really incredible things like that because we tend now you know it's for magicians. Let's say they would go to a convention. Let's say Blackpool, where you get a descendancy of thousands of magicians and find these tricks that you know with respect it's some of it's a bit karaoke like isn't it you know the inventors are the people who are the singer songwriters uh, but the hobbyists are just doing their tricks whereas for these people who've actually come up with some unusual things and originated they're the real heroes of magic you know and uh, but you know if I go back to my dad i mean he was doing stuff you know some what 50 60 years ago that uh, he was almost a one-man band, really doing it. But some really, his thinking was way beyond, you know. And, and nowadays, you probably have teams of people helping you do these various things, and you know, and lots of people making money out of it along the way. So they put big budgets to it. But you know, to be a to be a performer, then um, I think you really had to, you know, you had to think a little bit differently.
1: Definitely. And you think he's got a new website up with the uh, a lot of the history going through it. What does yeah. sort of you find on that?
2: Well, you know, I really would recommend for anyone to look at it because, I mean, as you know, he, he has been an inspiration to many, many people. And and for the younger audience who don't know him, even the likes of David Blaine, when, he, he, when we were with David Blaine and my dad, you know, uh, when we were at Essential Magic Conference and places like that where we were both lecturing, he was saying to dad, you know what? I'm a great admirer of yours. And anybody who works in my team, before they start, they have to read your book, which is The Magic Mind and Magic of David Burgloss. And, you know, and obviously Copperfield and Penn and & Teller and, and Dynamo and Darren Brown, all the, all the most best-known magicians of the era, I think would hold a candle to, to his thinking. And so it, he has... He was a good scrapbooker and he kept a lot of his cuttings and stuff like that, but they're hidden away in the loft and all over. And he's got stories that he could you know he's 94 years old but when he tells these stories you, you really want to listen to in his own words they're great and so after 70 uh, years in show business you know it took me and, and the family and some of his closest friends uh, to to persuade him to, to put this down and, and uh, he hasn't just done it as a boring website it's a really innovative uh, very ahead of his time, digital scrapbook, so he's done a series of maybe 50 uh, anecdotes with films and clips and stuff that you can see of the time, saying about some of his great adventures and and and, and publicity stunts, and and it's a must-see for anyone who really wants to learn about presentation and, and and that type of thing. So it's got a lot of things like that on there. Uh, it's actually, the homepage is quite interesting. You go inside, it looks like his his big study, you know, like like on his TV series and it's with his desk and his light sculpture and everything and the books and you just touch various things around the room and it could be about his books and it would show you those or his television work or his film work. Remember he was a technical advisor on on uh, several films like uh, James Bond films like the original Casino Royale and um, Octopussy. Was it Octopussy? I think it was, yes. Uh, and, um, uh, and James and um, and also Batman and, you know, and Willow and uh, the luck of Barry Lyndon where he worked with Kubrick. So he's done some amazing things. And, you know, when you see some of this stuff, it's it's really inspiring. And uh, it's great that it's in his own words and he tells, you know, tells you all about it. So anybody who's into to that type of thing, I urge you to look at com. Definitely. We put Definitely. a link to that
1: in the description after this as well, just so people Thank can get
0: there. One piece I did see, I, I did take a quick look. And the other day when you mentioned it, that it at the... Marvin's Live was, um, he did a press conference with two different press teams in two different places at the same time. It was, like being <laughs> in a, it was amazing. So, everyone should go check out that story.
2: It's crazy. I, I, you know, there's so many stories, I don't know half of them. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, it really is interesting to see. I mean, that's a crazy idea, but what a good idea, you know. Um, amazing. Talk, talk about the Marvin's Magic Live, just a heads up on it, because we, we did give away a few things on the day. Um, uh, and there was a big bundle, but there's still a prize, which which I urge your listeners and uh, viewers to go in for, because we have got a holiday uh, in Sardinia, which is being given away uh, on the, it, I think, the closing date. We're still in time because the closing date is 31st of December. And yep. the draw has been made on the 3rd of January. And it's uh, Forte Village in Sardinia. Why am I telling you this? Because we are on the Marvin's Magic Academy there. And we've done it for the last five years, and it's a beautiful resort. It's obviously got you know a beautiful beach and all the many restaurants and 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 villas and hotels and all that sort of thing. But it's also got tons of stuff to keep the kids occupied, all sorts of things, and a really great health spa. And And they have things like, you know, a Gordon Ramsay restaurant they would put there, or a Chelsea Football Academy, or they would have a Boris Becker tennis, or the, and they had a Marvin's Magic. So we've been there for five years, and my good friend, Michael J. Fitch, who co-hosted Marvin's Magic Live, runs that for us in the summer. Um, and they've very kindly given us a holiday for four people for three days, um, and uh all you have to do is so if you watch back the um the marvin's magic live on facebook or youtube you've still got a chance just to literally, you i think you have to uh put in um uh magic holiday in the in the in the text or the facebook thing and, and then uh, you have a chance you're in for it but do so because there's not hundreds of thousands of people going it's not like one of these big tv things it's literally you know Everybody watching. Uh and and so you've got a good chance of a great holiday, holiday of a lifetime, honestly. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think people need a holiday after the year we've had this year. You're right.
2: You're <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, that was a, something something I sent in actually as well. Uh while they're talking about uh just going forward, how do you see twenty twenty affecting magic going forward? I guess like the new virtual stuff. And uh, the different types of magic, and will it be virtual stuff? Maybe in some of the new Marvins Magic sets going forward. I,
2: I think. Listen, for every every bad, there's good, you know. And uh, I think what it has done, uh, it's been a horrible year for professionals who are reliant on on gigs and stuff like that. Of course, it's been decimated, and people have been versatile and adapting and trying to do whatever they can. And and I think this. Um, this communication, the fact that people are able to communicate all around the world. Like we've built a studio here in my HQ and, and you know, we're meetings with people all around the world all the time where previously we'd have to fly over there or whatever. So I think there's a, I think even when it comes back, I think there will be, um, people think twice maybe about, do I really need to do that? I mean, obviously face-to-face is better, but yeah. if we can do it, virtually why not you know and so i think it'd be a combination of the both and i think for magic that means that there's a different market as well Uh, i know of some professional magician today who's who's normally a busy pro and i understood he had seven shows today wow i mean seven shows now they're all half hour shows on zoom but he didn't have to travel around and move them all around the country to get to do them so i've no idea how well paid they were or anything like that but you know what an amazing situation you couldn't i i I've never known of doing seven shows in a day you know um mm-hmm. so you know i think I, I think there'll be i think it's unfortunately going to take a little bit longer than we would all hoped uh we'd expect it to have been better for this last quarter but i think you know i th- i think it will be a big bounce back and people will will really relish the chance to be entertained and 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 feel good and it'll be a big bounce and i think it'll be great for magicians.
0: Yeah, I mean, at, at, at the end of the, the Spanish flu, you know, we had the Roaring Twenties, so we could be getting that now in the in the next few years.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: People are going to be looking for entertainment in person as they go. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So we have a segment on the show uh, called The Good, The Bad mm-hmm. and The Ugly, where we ask someone to tell a story about a performance that went awry in some way yeah, or sure. another. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure. I, I think we all have one, and I think it's good for young magicians to hear that even... Even the gods of magic have made mistakes.
2: <laughs> oh my God. Well, listen, in magic, we do take risks, don't we? And so, you know, we, we're more likely to things to go wrong and stuff like that. But, you know, my dad always told me that, um, you know, as long as you prepare, that's, 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 if you make a mistake and, or, or you, you know, you, or it doesn't go right, if it's through lack of preparation, no excuse, but you've got to prepare, you've got to rehearse, you've got to know your stuff. Uh, but having said that, I could think of several that just you squirm just think about. It. Um, let's try to think of a few funny ones. Well, here's a good one. I don't often do weddings um, as a performer, mm-hmm. uh, but I do sometimes. I I, I was Arsenal Football Club's uh, resident magician, first one in the Premier League, uh, and re- and had that gig off for 22 years or something like that and i still you know do the director's box and the players so i got to know all the players over the years and i used to do all their top all their weddings and all that type of thing and and i was a reluctant wedding guy because i it wasn't like i prefer to do different corporate stuff but yeah. so i remember doing a wedding thing and i had the, this is for magicians only right only magicians yeah. this only magician is like i'm not really Okay, yeah, so, <laughs> so we, we yeah. all love a we all love a new gimmick, don't we? An electronic yeah. something or other, right? So this was a this was a a coin, a pound coin, I think it was that had some electronic thing that could tell you you know heads tails, whatever it was, which hands it. You know, I was testing it out. I hadn't really played with it. My my fault. Um, so I'm just doing this thing, and now I've, I've killed all you know throughout the whole room. Now I'm on the top table with the bride and groom and stuff like this, and the and the father of the Bride, he spins it, drops it, and this pound coin drops underneath between the legs of the bride in a wedding dress. You know, uh, so what? So what do you do? So I'm thinking, you know, they know my reputation, and I'm supposed to be the, you know, big noise. Am I, I going to get on my hands and he's stampering around under a dress for a pound? No, it just wasn't worth it. He just, he just move on. You know, Cause that was that was one uh, thing I just thought. You know, too bad. Uh, <laughs> It wasn't the right thing to be, it wasn't the right image for me. I don't think to be on my hand, and he's between the bride's legs looking for a pound coin. <laughs> um, yeah, oh dear. I, I, that was, I also remember doing some live TV where, um, I'm not sure if it was the James Whale show, or it was no, it wasn't. It, I think it was actually, um, uh, it was, it was like a, it was the equivalent of what, what we call the six. Uh, a clock show now or something, like, you know, it's one of those sort of magazine type things. And it was, I had an audience member and, and I was fairly inexperienced and the big reveal, they're going, right, we're 30 seconds left. And I just did my big thing and someone had taken the card. What was the card? And it was, this lady was to say what the card was. And she picked, I said, look under your seat. She picked up the card and I knew I'd got it right. And she called the wrong card, trying to be clever. And it was like five for and I, was, you know, you know that cold sweat, horrible feeling, sort of thing. So you just, you know, I literally, I sort of culled the, another car. Just here, you know, it's like a desperate thing, and it was, it was not great. But you know, you learn from that. My fault again. Um, yeah, there's a few things like that. But um, live TV, uh, when you know, when I I did a lot of the TV shopping in the states. Uh, and the stakes for that are pretty big because you've got to pay tens of thousands of dollars per minute or whatever just to to have that airtime. And one of this product was this, you know, this magic drawing board thing that we've. So I don't even know about this drawing yeah. thing. And yeah. uh, it was it was a really big news for me about twenty years ago. This was and and so you know sixty three million homes. This goes into cameras, studio audience, the whole lot. And the guy, you know, the typical American reporter was going, um, presenter was going, and now we got, from London, we got uh, Marvin, Millie! and you know, really the big build-up to me, you know, just there, and I was, you know, I felt like a bit of a rabbit in the headlight, and then and this board, I was looking for the, it has like a T-shaped spatula, which you've got to work this board, and I was sort of, I was ready to go on it, I was, Oh, I looked in this pocket, wasn't it? it? Was in this pocket. Oh, and I just—I was going in every bloody pocket, and I couldn't see this thing. And, and turned out what it is. When you go into the studio, you get these security passes with these plastic things, and it had fallen through the the flat bit of that. And so, you know, that cold sweat feeling until you find it. It's you know, like um, you know, twenty seconds feels like three minutes and something
1: like that. But <laughs>
2: managed to get out of it. But you know, those are the type of things that are uh, that that come to mind when you first ask that. You know.
1: Life I like to TV
0: is, always, is always a bit scary i was doing a thing before on the bbc for the steve nolan show and uh, i'd done a trick with him i did smash and stab with him on stage and then he was like run up my mom's in the audience do a trick with her so i was like okay but we're running the same thing you know the time is running out so i run up and i get her to pick a card and i tear the corner off and i put it in her hand and it's to vanish and then i'm like oh steve he's still down on the stage i'm like check your inside pocket and he's like, oh, and I can't find it. He can't find his pocket. And it was literally running down to like five five seconds left. To, and then he lit- it literally cut it. he's like this. And then he found it. And then obviously the TV had cut, but the audience saw it, you know. But yeah. I was just like, find the card. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's just in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> it's, tough. it's tough, isn't it?
1: I know. Yeah, I remember I was using one of those coins as well on stage. I'd used it a few times. I was fairly comfortable with it. And you could tell heads or tails with it as well. And... I got my reading. I knew it was heads, said heads, bet 50 quid that it was heads. It was tails. Oh my God.
2: uh,
1: Luckily I was in a bank night later on. So I had some fifties. So I did the bank night where I win loads of money and then took a 50 and gave it to the person. But (laughs) I was off stage afterwards trying to figure it out. And the device, if you have it one way, if, buzzes once for heads, twice for tails or something. But if you turn it over, it does the opposite. And I've been using it for months and just always happened to put it on the same way. And then the one time I was doing it on stage and decided
2: the best i'd flipped it without realizing it just like i i've sort of i i i hate relying on technology it's lovely when you've got you know sleight of hand and stuff that you know it's up to you and you're in control it's much much safer generally you know yeah on, on that heads and tails i was at a function last year which was a big charity function we donated prize and i was the sort of magician guy and there was quite a few celebrity Type of people were there, and there was, you know, they So I'd done my set, and I was just relaxing, and I was invited to the top table, sit down, enjoy the meal, and then hey, we're going to play heads or tails, and I thought, okay, you know, and it, you, as a magician, you don't know what to do. So, by yeah. toss three or four. There's, you know, I have a room of maybe three or four hundred people. There's now 20 people standing up, and it, and I'm one of them, and they, and everyone's like, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, the magician, the magician, you know, it's just by chance. So I. Anyway, get down to the, le- the next few, and the next few. And it's about nine spins and I'm still there. So they invite people up on stage and it's now eight people and everyone's, ah, oh, the magician, you know, and I honestly, I didn't do a thing. And I was thinking, <laughs> is this good? I, should I win? Should I not? I don't know what to do, but I was not in any control. And um, it was Kelly Brooke uh, who was, you know, tossing the coin and, 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 uh, and it was it was really bad because they were, I just wasn't sure what to do. They all knew who I was and stuff. anyway, believe it or not, thirteen spins later, I won the thing purely by <laughs> luck. <you know? laughs> so I've said, well, of course, as a magician, I've got to give the prize back, and I did. You know, left it at that. But I was thinking, wow, this could have gone either way. I was lucky, you know.
0: It was <laughs> right. a real magic moment. We gotta you gotta savor those real magic moments.
2: Well, that's the point. And, you know, that's actually coming back to dad. That's where he's brilliant because he's all about coincidence and how to play it cool and stuff like that. You know, like, for example, let's just say someone's got a pack of cards and there happens to be four of clubs, you know, face down. He might have glim- glimpsed out something and he just said, mention a card and they, they might have said four of clubs. And, I know, and you know, he he's gonna hit big. and Just turn it over, but he's like, now. Do you want to change your mind? What, what, what? <laughs> yeah, he, why, why? But then he said so, he's he's like that, and he, he takes those type of chances. But and it, the thing is, when when you and I do a trick like that, and 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 we're lucky, we we can't punch in the air and be. We you know, it's really hard to be cool about it. you just gonna yeah. you know. Those, those guys do it all the time. They live in that world, don't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I was at. It was the day after my wedding, and I was performing just for my dad, and I decided. I told him to shuffle the cards, name a card, name a number. It's classic. And he got a number. No method. I had him deal to it, expecting nothing. It hit. He said 36. <laughs> it was bang on the carrot 36. And I couldn't keep calm. I like jumped up. <laughs> <laughs> he, to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we,
0: we had that when we started the podcast initially, before we even started the podcast, myself and Dave were starting to kind of feel the boredom of the pandemic. And we started just one night, we were on a, a call like this. And uh, we just had decks of cards between the two of us. And I pick up one, and he'd guess what it is. And we're just having a bit of fun with it, and seeing if we come up with some new ideas. And uh, when we had, it was Kayla Drescher, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and when we Kayla Drescher on, we were talking about how, how long it took to guess what card. So she was like, I, she was a, a guest like yourself. And she was like, I've got a card. What card am I holding? And we were just like, oh, it's a red card. And she was like, no, it's black, OK? And then Dave guessed, because Dave's the mentalist, not me. And uh, I was like, "It's probably the four of clubs." And her face just dropped, and she turned it over, and it was the four of clubs. And funny, you mentioned the four of clubs though, so. yeah it Yeah, always, it, Magicians love funny, the four of well, clubs. Well, <laughs> funny, funny thing is,
2: Dave, if you look under your seat now, it would have been a great trick, wouldn't
1: it? Oh. <laughs> it's so here. Probably, uh, it's a so the cards <laughs> your
0: seat. Yeah. So the four of clubs <laughs> is in there, certainly. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's it's great. Uh, but we're just coming up on 40 minutes now, so we don't want to take up too much of your time. So we'd like to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And if you, everybody can support you at Marvin's Magic. And if you've anything you want to promote, while well, you have the chance.
2: So again. The last thing you said was? Do
1: you to, uh, do you anything you want to promote now or anything coming well,
2: up? I'm just, I mean, um, yeah, listen, uh, we've Smashed it online, so I, I think on um, Amazon has still got last chance of if, if you need anything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they've got a few bits of be- pieces, but definitely try and check out that Marvel's Magic Live, which is on on Facebook and YouTube. A lot, a lot of effort went into it, but a lot of people enjoyed it a lot and said it was great. It's worth a watch. And as I said, you've still got a chance for the holiday, so really go for that. Just write in Magic Holidays, and you'll see it's all there. But thanks, really much. I appreciate you having me on, and I wish you. And everybody, a uh, really great uh, Christmas and a and, uh, happy, healthy, successful new year ahead.
1: Definitely. And Peace we that, Definitely. If anybody wants to find out more about us, go to deceivedreality.com and at David Peace Magic on social media and at Steve Spade on social media. And
0: at yeah, the thanks, Abs- everyone, thanks everyone for all your support with the podcast this year. We'll be back in, and we're actually going to be back with a friend of yours, Marvin. Mark Paul is going to be our first guest back in the new year. Say
2: hi to Cheers. Lovely. Definitely.
1: Lovely. So thanks Thank so much, you, everyone. And we'll talk to you again in the new year. Take Bye. care. Bye.